and welcome to Nevermind the Bar Charts with myself, Mark Pack. This time it's another special joint edition with John Potter and the Lib Dem Pod team. So without further ado, over to John. Hello and welcome to this special conference edition of the Lib Dem podcast and the Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast. And unfortunately, this will be our only edition uh, to do with the conference because as we all know, the conference has been cancelled due to the sad death of Her Majesty the Queen. Um, before we carry on, we should obviously pass on our condolences to the Queen's family and to everyone who has been affected during this time. Um, but the big consequence for the Lib Dems was our conference that had been planned, our first in-person major conference for, someone will correct me, three years, is it? Something like that, um, has had to be cancelled um, because it coincided with the Queen's funeral. We will go into that decision. We will ask all sorts of questions regarding what happens next, what happens to our manifesto, what happens to our finances with a general election coming. Lots of things to talk about. Uh, and with us, we have our, our, our wonderful panel. And um, we have a couple of regulars. We have Hannah Kitchen, the leader of the Barnsley Lib Dems. Hello, Hannah. Hello, everyone. We have Laura Gordon. She hasn't been on for a little while, but who is our parliamentary candidate for Sheffield Hallam. Hello, Laura. Hello. Nice to um, be back. It is good for, to see you back. Um, we seem to be doing quite a lot of these uh, joint podcasts at the moment, so of course he needs no introduction. We have the party president and host of the Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast, Mark Pack. Hi, John. I, I guess the appearances of these joint podcasts are a bit like ravens at the tower. It's never uh, good news, sadly, in recent months, has it been? <laughs> Yeah, that is absolutely true. And uh, a special guest making his first appearance on the podcast is the chair of the Federal Conference Committee. I'm amazed I got that out right. But Nick DaCosta, welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thank you very much. And thank you for, for organising this. And uh, sorry that it has to be a, a sad news podcast rather than a, a joyous podcast talking about conference. Well, and I think Nick, we'll probably start with you, actually, because obviously, as soon as the news came like coming out that the Queen was gravely ill. I think all of us were thinking, firstly, hope she gets better. But then as soon as the, we heard the news, it immediately put the conference season for all the local, for all the national parties into doubt. So do you want to just explain a little bit about how we came about this decision, Nick? Of course. So I think first off, what I want to do is pay a huge amount of thanks to the incredible team at HQ who are literally working their socks off since we started hearing the news about the Queen's health. Um, they've all gone above and beyond. And they, we know how the staff at HQ and at our at state parties, regional parties, how hard they work for the party. But the, the conference team have done such an amazing job over the last 48, 72, four days, how many hours it is, four days, um, to try and look at the different options, see what's available, see what's feasible. They've really worked incredibly hard. And I'm really proud of them because they're not often, we don't often talk about the conference office staff. Um, and actually they're the true champions. They've done so much. Um, and they're still working their, their socks off now because obviously we, we have a lot of other issues now we're having to deal with. But I want to you know, pay a huge amount of respect to them because they have just done such a great job. So as we're all aware, you know, a, a mid late afternoon Thursday, we heard the news that the Queen was unwell. And at that point, we were like, OK, what's going to happen in the next few days? Um, and then we had the sad news Thursday night that she'd passed away. With regards to Operation London Bridge or Operation Unicorn, as we've all now got to know it really well, 
there is sort of a set format of what is happening. And it was looking highly likely that our conference would fall on or, or very close to the date of, of Her Majesty's funeral. And, and we've now had it confirmed that the funeral will be on Monday, which is now also going to be a bank holiday. Um, we then, we had a FCC, which is the Federal Conference Committee. Um, I'll try not to use too many abbreviations, but the Federal Conference Committee met on Saturday to look at the options that were available for us, because the challenge was hosting a conference during the morning period or over the funeral would just become increasingly challenging for, for, for many reasons, both political, logistical, um, and also from a media point of view, you know, the BBC had said to us, we're pulling all the cameras and riggers, you're not going to have everyone at, anyone at conference. So there was a, a lot of things happening very, very quickly, all whilst we weren't sure when the funeral would be, and all based on, you know, uh, information that councillors get because of they've got a relationship with the Ministry of Defence or they're in a royal borough or something like that. So it was it was a very, very difficult decision. And we we looked at a number of options at our meeting on Saturday. And, um, you know, we had a proper debate. We had a good debate about it. We we looked at do we continue to go ahead? And and the challenge is with go, having a conference during the morning period would just be would, would be challenging for for a number of reasons. And also, you know, seeing other organizations like the TUC decide to push their conference and other events not happening it felt that this was the the right thing to do we looked at do we just shorten conference to one day have it just on the tuesday and the fact is is that's not conference that's a keynote speech day essentially you're not going to, we're not going to replicate anything that you would have at a proper conference and actually people come down just for the weekend they come down for the social aspect it would have just made it very difficult and now obviously with with the monday being a bank holiday uh, travel issues would have would have also um, caused quite a lot of problems. We then looked to extend conference. Do we go from Tuesday into Thursday? Um, that meant we could have replicated some of the conference, but a lot of people have, have won't have leave booked. A lot of people are have have, have commitments at uh, at work commitments, caring commitments. Our teachers are um, aren't available. Um, and so we 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 decided we felt that also members would end up potentially paying double. We'd have to pay again for a lot of things, and cancelling conference we we is extremely expensive both to our members and obviously to the party. And what we wanted to try and do is ensure that for the members, we're trying to do what is would not cost them any additional money on top of what they're already spending. Um, there was also challenges about about staff resource, um, about uh, the venue availability, the hotel availability. Um, and trying to fit in as much as possible some of the important debates that we need to have in the party within a shortened timetable was just becoming would become very difficult. I mean, how how could I say to a, to a certain motion, no, not important enough. We're not going to debate it because we've changed conference. And I I don't really want to be that person. I'd already say no to enough people. I don't want to continue saying no um, to people's motions. We looked at delaying into October, and again, this probably would have meant. A double spend for lots of members. They'd have to book more time off work. They'd have to book more hotels, travel, etc. Um, and also, we we do have challenges with our staff and 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 volunteer resources, and also with regards to the venues and suppliers. We looked also at moving online, and the problem is is we just don't have enough of a lead time to do that to put together a proper conference with everything that we want as well. But also, it it misses that really important aspect of conference, which I love, which is the social aspect. 
You know, I, I want to come to, I want us to come together as members. I want us to celebrate why we are liberals, why we are liberal Democrats, what's amazing about our party. I want to celebrate with those um, local parties that had amazing successes in May and commiserate with those who didn't do so well as well, because, and it's also a chance for us to learn from each other and get to know each other better. And we've seen, you know, we've had a couple of years now of online conferences. I've been really proud of the work that people have done on them. I've been really proud of them. But we want to be back in person again. I think that's that's key. And so we sort of we settled on what we think is the, the least worst option. Cancelling conference for a conference committee and for the federal board. I mean, technically, it's the federal board who decide based on recommendations. Um, but the for the conference committee to say we don't think conference should go ahead is not an easy decision. You know, it's one that a lot of us were umming and ahhing about. A lot of us had different opinions. We had a really we had really good debates within the committee on it as well. Um, so it was a really tough decision. We felt the best option was that we look towards extending our spring conference and actually lengthening that to allow more time there. And that would be sort of the best, the best of a bad option that we see what we can do around spring in York uh, to ensure we have fit more, more items on the agenda, allow more time for training and for our fringes and more time for debates. Um, and also, as we're in York and they're going to have an all up, all, I think they're having their all up elections and it's a good chance for them to get some extra canvases out on, on the streets in York and, and make sure we win control of, of York Council. Um, but we felt that was the best option. It wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, and I'm really grateful to everyone on the committees and on the federal board who engaged in the entire debate and discussion and have been speaking to members on social media, on emails, on the phone, on WhatsApps try to explain to them what the decision is that we made. We're now moving into the what's next section, which is what are we doing to help members? And I just want to quickly touch on that and then I'll I'll, I'll keep you dumb for a bit. So we've now emailed all of the members, letting them know that um, National Rail has, um, there is a special a special process for refunds. So people can, will be able to get their train tickets back again. Um, visit Brighton. Thank huge thanks to Visit Brighton. They've worked their socks off since the weekend, negotiating with the hotels on members' behalves. And we've about to publish, I've actually published in the Facebook group, and we're about to send an email out to members of the list of hotels that have currently agreed to offer full refunds. Now, that list is live. It's being updated every now and then. They add another one on. Um, Visit Brighton have also emailed all of the delegates to say, reach out to us if you've booked through us. So we're finding out that the accommodation supplies are actually being more flexible than we may have thought or may have experienced at previous when we, we sadly cancelled uh, due to COVID in March 2020. So we're seeing a willingness from our partners to engage with us properly here. Um, on the email members will have received, they had one email from me on Saturday. There is another email that has gone out or is about to go out. It also has the link in it. If people are having difficulties with their accommodation providers, to fill in that link because we're filtering that into Visit Brighton. The team will also at HQ will be writing to providers as well to say, listen, you need to do something here. This is an extraordinary occasion. So we're doing as much as we can to try and help members. And I'm happy for members to reach out to me. And if they're having difficulties, reach out to me and I can see what I can do to help. Oh, my home, we can see how much work you have done. I mean, I'm I'm in one of those positions where I'm not going to get a refund on my accommodation. I've already reached out. Think it is one of those things where I'm going to have to, well, actually, now I'm going to have a holiday in Brighton, which I'm quite looking forward to. Um, but Mark, from your point of view, 
Uh, I couldn't see a way of of going any other way than this decision, personally. But I I, I do realise there are differences. And as someone as president, you are kind of the the head of almost the volunteer branch of of the Lib Dems. And how important conferences for volunteers and activists to recharge that Lib Dem cup. How difficult must this decision have been? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I had to do before. Uh, you know, starting recording this podcast was replied to a member whose partner died earlier this year. And they had said how much they were, had been desperately looking forward to meeting other Lib Dems at conference. So, you know, it's and, you know, there's nothing one can really say other than sorry in response to that, because I don't think there was a good option available. It was a matter of trying to pick, you know, the least worst amongst the, a range of unpalatable options. And certainly when I yeah, when I first looked at the sort of paper that was being drafted to come to conference committee and then the board on Friday morning, you know, in its early stages as to what the range of options were. I mean, I think it's probably the most negative reaction I've ever had to sort of seeing a draft, you know, board paper in terms of, oh, my goodness, there's just nothing here that's a good, you know, a good decision. But that sadly is, I think, the situation we were in. And you're absolutely right. The one of the things, you know, Nick and I and you know I'm, I know everyone on conference committee and the board we're really looking forward to is that chance of meeting people you know meeting people in in person at, at conference and I was really struck by just a few days previously I had two evenings back to back one evening was an in-person event uh, with Sutton Lib Dems the other evening was two zoom calls one with Banbury and one with members from all around the country who had done lots of canvassing in the previous quarter and in a way that evening when I got two zoom calls in on the same evening was sort of the more efficient evening. It was great to be able to talk to canvassers from all across the country in a way that you can only do online, you know, in one call. But and I think, in fact, John, you were on that top canvassers call. With with apologies to you, John, that call and the Banbury call, and with apologies to members from Banbury, were not nearly as much fun as going and talking in person at Sutton Lib Dems and chatting to people, you know, at the bar before and so on. So there's a real thing that we miss. Um, but um, the the you know. There was an alternative that would have been less worse. At, at first, I did, was quite taken with this idea. Could we reschedule? But then when you start thinking through how we'd be asking people to spend more money, that I I think that would have that would have really aggravated people. That that seemed that what seemed a good idea at first very rapidly faded as a as a thought. Laura, your your view on this. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm just uh, laughing because I'm afraid I missed the top canvases call. I was invited to it, but I missed it because I was, in fact, out canvassing. Uh, uh, get, so... get your stats in to be on the next one, Laura. Exactly, exactly. That's the goal. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it's really sad, but I think it, it just is what it is and it's the right decision. I mean, it's, you know, the timing is is unfortunate, but, you know, the, this is just, it was clearly the only... Um, the only right thing to do. And um, I think that the Federal Conference Committee have done the right thing. And I have to say, I've been really impressed by the amount of work that they've put into trying to support people to get refunds, because I think, you know, it is important to remember that the Federal Conference Committee are all volunteers. That's something that they didn't have to do. And the fact that you are doing it is something that actually, you know, I was quite lucky, like um, my train tickets, um, I'm not sure they're refundable because I booked them through the train line, but I booked them ages ago, so it wasn't that much money and uh, my accommodation was refundable so I, i'm in quite a fortunate position compared to others but i think I've, I've seen on a lot of chats you know people who have said how much they appreciate the work that you're all putting in to get get refunds for everyone so i mean thank you very much for that 
Um, I suppose the only the only question I would have is around the kind of um, the the spread. And I mean, feel free to tell me if this is a terrible idea, because I think straight away I kind of said, well, for me, the obvious thing to do was to add a day to spring conference. Um, but I know a lot of people, um, you know, really struggle with coming to spring conference because it's so close to the local elections. And I suppose I wondered if there was any scope for moving spring conference earlier in the spring. Um, so that people who do have local elections, you know, for example, if it was in February or if it was in January, it would be a lot easier for people to, you know, take the Monday off in order to come for a long weekend. Whereas, you know, in March, people do really struggle because it is so close to the local elections. Um, so I think that that would be my question. Is that is that an option that's been considered? And, and if so, um, you know, tell me why it's te a terrible one. Yeah, that um, before Nick comes in, I was going to uh, do that same line. Is that actually again, even though the the spring conference tends to be a bit more northern, which is more useful for myself, it is still very close to that time when you're starting to get your nomination papers squared away and all the rest of it that you're building up. You've just had your council budgets, so you're getting your pre-election focuses. But I imagine Nick's going to say. To, to move another conference this close to even the March one is probably going to um, send shivers down his spine, Nick. Um, well, so firstly, Trainline should be offering refunds as well, Laura. Um, that's the information we've had from Network Rail. So hopefully that's check. a bit of good news. Do check. Do check. Um, with regards to changing the dates of, of spring, I think the challenge is, is is that we've we've signed a contract. We've signed the contract with York. It's set. It's it's booked, um, and I think moving it forward would create additional logis logistical challenges. I mean, including things like deadlines with regards to submission of motions and things like that. So, um, I think that's at the moment, at least for this spring, wouldn't be an option. But I think it's something we can we can certainly have a look at. I mean, it just depends on the time between one and the other because. The conference team, for, ex for example, the conference team, they they work on spring conference, they have a couple of weeks off and then they're straight in, sorry, they work on on, on, on an autumn conference, have a couple of weeks off and then they're straight, in, straight into spring conference planning. So we just have to look how the dates work in that regard. With regards to options for this coming spring, we're looking at everything as in, do we add in some more time on the Friday and on the Monday? Do we add in the Monday, Tuesday? Do we extend, we extend the Sunday? Because at the moment, the Sunday is only a half day on a, in an in-person conference. You know, we haven't had an in-person spring conference since March 2019. Um, and I, even though I'm on the FCC, I completely forgot that actually a spring conference is Saturday, full day, Sunday, half day. So if we have a look at how we can play with dates either side, have a look how we can play with the dates, we, 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 we the normal days we have, what we do there. I think certainly having a look at spring for the future, 2020, oh my God, 2024 onwards. Sorry, it, it, I still find it strange that we're in the 2020s. Um, we can look at, do we push it earlier into March um, or towards February? I think that the, the challenge is just making sure that we, we allow enough time between each of the various conferences and allow time to, to get stuff done and make sure that the, the timetables we have um, run. Sorry, can I just um, can I just come back on that? Because I think I suppose I, I, I do totally take the point about about the booking and sort of all of this. But I, I think some of the stuff in terms of the motions, I mean, surely there's a reasonable amount of scope for just carrying motions over, given that we've got a whole bunch of motions that, that do need to be debated. And I think I'm sure we'll come on to this later. But one of the real challenges we have with the cancellation of this conference is that, you know, there were some really important motions there that we needed to debate. Um, there was one on a um, the 
the from a policy working group that I'd actually been on the um, the sort of fairer society working group and the manifesto consultation and various others. Um, so in fact, in, I mean, in any case, the scope for sort of new motions at Spring Conference will presumably be quite small anyway. We are going to come on to that. Uh, I'm going to put in there because we are going to talk about conferences and how this knocks things back uh, in a second. I just want to bring Hannah in because let's, I want Hannah, who's never knowingly shy, to think to just to go through some of the criticisms. Because it's only fair we just see, OK, so some people have come back and, and have said, you know, you're just terrified of the Daily Mail or the Daily Telegraph. That's all you'll care about. And Hannah, I do want to get your opinion. I mean, from 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 me personally, what I was thinking about if the conference went ahead, my I, I love going to conference. I love catching up with people, and part of that is the fun and the social aspect of it. I thought if I if my face was on a paper holding a pint of beer at the weekend of the Queen's funeral, how does that look in terms of even if it was even if it was just me saying hi to a friend I haven't seen in three years? It's not sometimes what it is, it's sometimes how it looks. And I think and I think that some people were not taking that into account as much as they should, Hannah. Yeah, absolutely, John. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen some of the, the comments and the criticism on, on social media, which I think you know must be really quite hard to read for, for Nick and, and the members of uh FCC who who've who've been put in a position where they've had to make really, you know, an impossible decision. I mean, from my point of view, you know, as you said, John, this is a this is a campaigners podcast, and you know, if you if you find me at conference, you're you're rather more likely to find me at the bar than in the uh, than in the conference hall, and I, I certainly don't spend my time on policy working groups uh, or troubling myself over deadlines for motions to conference. Um, and from my point of view, um, holding holding conference during the national mourning period would be electoral suicide it's you know for me it's as, it's as simple as that um you know we, we are we, we know that as a party we're, we're held to a higher standard than than the other parties um and i think while you know while perhaps the conservatives could have could have got away with it and 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 badged it as i don't know four four days of celebrating the royal family. We all know that when it came around to the next set of local elections or the general election or whatever, there would be a photograph of Liberal Democrats having fun the weekend before the Queen's funeral. And, you know, and, and, and that's just that's just not, it's just not acceptable. So from my point of view, you know, Nick, team, you made the right decision. It, I mean, it absolutely, utterly unenviable. But just you know what what else could we have could we have possibly done and you know I think and even if we had gone ahead in some form we wouldn't have got the media coverage and while I use conference as a means of having drinks with friends I am aware that the actual point of conference is to uh, create policy and get you know our highest level of media coverage you know during the year and it Outside is a real elections Yes, indeed, and it and it is a real, you know it is a real shame that, that we're missing out on that. But we we simply wouldn't have got the media coverage even if we'd we'd gone ahead. So so it wouldn't have happened. The dog is now trying to scratch the door down just to improve my day. Even further. Well, but would but you I mind think... if I just come back in for a second because I think there's something else to say as well, which is that I think it's always really easy with something like this to think about how does it affect me 
and how does it affect us and how does it affect the things that we want to do and I mean I know loads of us are gutted about not being able to go to conference but I mean the fact is like the queen dying is a huge huge you know historic event and it's something where a lot of our members will have a lot of you know feelings about that who might you know and will want to watch the funeral and actually we shouldn't really be telling people that if you want to come to conference and have a say in the workings of the party, then you have to not watch the Queen's funeral. And I, that that to me would feel quite inappropriate as well. Um, and so I think I think there is also a point about, you know, we, it's our job as campaigners to think about how, you know, how, how we kind of deal with all of these challenges. But I think, you know, we also need to sort of reflect that many of our members will want to be part of what is a really important historic occasion and um i think that the federal conference committee are doing the right thing in in safeguarding and protecting the space for them for them to do that absolutely go on hannah if i could just if i could just um just finish what i was saying Sorry. distracted by my dog um what, what i was going to say was regarding some of the criticism that i've you know that i've seen online which i think in some ways is is probably the the flip of what laura is saying um, which is that we as a party, I'm, I'm guessing, probably have the highest number of Republican members. Is that probably oh, she's fair? Prime Minister. She's gone. She went. She went yeah. ages ago. Liz we, Truss went. Yeah. Yeah. We're so not the party of Liz Truss anymore, aren't we? No, <laughs> I, I think we're very proud not to be the party of Liz Truss in any, in any way, shape, <laughs> or form, and that is absolutely fine. But I think, you know, I think we do have a lot of members who, um, who are you know, perhaps not overtly sentimental royalists and who and who was who beyond that are perhaps out and out uh, Republicans, um, not quite as bad as some of the nationalists who've been behaving rather badly over over recent days, I have to say. But I think we do. I think there is probably a large chunk of our membership who, you know, who, who, for whom this, you know, this this isn't a, a massive thing. Um, and, and therefore don't see a, a need to sort of cancel their normal lives. Um, and also, and there are so, are also, you know, a, a good sort of number of people who, who go to conference who perhaps don't necessarily appreciate the impact that those Daily Mail headlines have on our ability to get more Liberal Democrat MPs elected. You know, it, it's all very well saying, well, you know, you're, bowing down to the Daily Mail and you're just ter terrified of the headlines. Yeah, well, we are, and, and, and rightly so, you know, because we we need to beat an awful lot of Tories in the next general election. We have got lots and lots of seats where we're in second place. And, you know, all those, all those policies that we make at conference, we want our PPCs out, you know, arguing for those on the doorsteps, switching votes, from the Conservatives, and if the Daily Mail is going out of its way to paint us as the party that disrespects Britain's long-serving and beloved monarch, you know, we, that, that's, that's not an acceptable position for us to put ourselves in. And, and I think, you know, some of our members, you know, perhaps are some of our members that are, you know, more engaged on Facebook, they're probably not even going to listen to this podcast, are they, John, because it's a campaigning podcast. Some of those members that are, you know, spend more time on, on, on Facebook than they do, you know, knocking on doors, um, you know, may, may, maybe don't don't see that. And, you know, we, we're all frustrated. We're frustrated that conference is being cancelled. We're frustrated that action days are being cancelled, that we can't deliver leaflets, go knocking on doors. I had some absolute slamming press release 
lined up to go out today to you know rip Barnsley labour a new one which is what I enjoy most about my day job and I've had to put it I've had to put it on ice because it's just not appropriate and and that's absolutely fine you know we haven't got two weeks until the local elections which would have been exceptionally bad timing for this to happen so you know it's the way it is um, and I think I think you're right, Han. If I can just come in, because we also say, I mean, the, the issue of fracking has raised its head again, and so in Lancashire, that is obviously a massive issue, and we've had to basically just do nothing on it at all, really. We actually had done the press release just before the uh, the Queen passed away, and we basically just had to like we just have to hold on. But it's really important because what's we're going to get onto the policy bit now, but it is interesting when you think of. If anyone's read the um, Beyond the Red, oh, I can't remember. It's the Beyond the Red Wall by a Deborah. Um, I can't remember. She's Keir Starmer's massive, uh, yeah. And she talked about Corbyn being seen as not patriotic, and it and it completely jammed him up. And then lots of things were focused. Even if you think, okay, he didn't save God, save the Queen. He might have had a terrible voice. We don't know. But the fact is, it all kind of led up to a sense that Corbyn didn't like Britain. And it was part of the reasons he became so toxic. And so, again, sometimes it isn't what it is. It's, it's, it's how it looks. And I just think it would have been an absolute uh, disaster in the waiting. If, you know, if anyone shot with a flute of, of champagne or anything like that, you know it would be used at some point. Um, Can I just add something yeah. to that, John? Because I yeah, think, you know, as a political party, thinking about how the outside world views us is essential because... That's our job as the political as a political party is to appeal to the outside world. But I think we I think it's worth remembering as well. There are an awful lot of members who themselves would have directly found it really inappropriate. You know, this isn't just about what my swing voters that we hope to win over at a future election might have thought about us. It's also about what many of our own colleagues, um, you know, would have would have thought. And the reason I mention that is it's very easy when emotions are high and there are difficult decisions to sort of do that bit of othering as if people who disagree with you are all some other group out there who in some way it's okay to sort of look down on um but actually this is as much about what we ourselves would have thought as about you know anything that the outside world would have thought absolutely yeah ab- absolutely agree with that we're sorry Nick. We've, we've come up Nick's seen all the criticism from people who thought the wrong decision was made and conference should have gone ahead had we made the opposite decision and carried on with conference, there'd have been there'd have been just as much criticism, you know, just just from different just from different voices. You're absolutely bang on with that, Mark. And I think one of the other one of the other challenges um, looking at parliamentary business, for example, is that um, our conference no longer sits in what's the technical conference recess. Um, the Tories have changed that. And actually for this this year, they changed it with a month's notice. So a month pre-conference, the conference recess changed. Surprise, surprise, it doesn't help us. Surprise, surprise, Liz Trust, et cetera, you know, and they're scared of us. Um, but the challenges as well, we were also faced with the fact that it was anticipated parliamentarians would have to go back to Parliament on the Tuesday to deal with the energy bill and cost of living issues as well. And so this is the other, other challenge we now have to play with as our party is our conference never sits within the conference recess and that's no fault of our own because you know you try and coordinate the dates as much as you can with the other political parties we don't really coordinate but they sort of say they say we've booked this we booked this we booked this um and then the government with a month's notice say oh the conference recess just happens to fit on our conference only or ours and labor so that that creates additional complications and you know 
even even though we we haven't got our conference you know our mps will still be holding the government to account our council leaders will still be hold you know our councillors and our council group leaders will still be holding their local councils to account i'm delighted that that hannah's going to be holding barnsley labor to account as a labor facing council as well i i i i'm, I'm a big fan of that but you know our, pol our our politicians and parliamentarians and assembly members will still be doing their jobs and holding the powers at be the, the powers the powers that are in a, in power to account that was not very good english but i hope everyone understood what i meant by that uh, okay that's, that's i think we've kind of covered off the criticism side of it so let's talk about some of the what happens next and laura kind of brought this in perfectly last time i think what i mean laura i'll let you ask the questions and then nick can come back in but i suppose from my point of view if policy is going to get shifted because one of the things i was most looking forward to this conference was the manifesto consultative sessions on the on the Saturday. I always like the consultative sessions anyway because it's kind of you're getting in there while the, the idea is still a germ of an idea, and you, you, and you kind of I kind of really enjoy it. So the big thing for me, and I'll let Laura build on this, is that does this mean our manifesto is going to be put back, delayed? There's a lot of because we really want to be getting our messages honed because we are getting close to a general election, Laura. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't want to overstate this because I think probably everyone on this podcast would agree that the Liberal Democrats are not underburdened with policy. And um, the factor that prevents us winning more elections is probably not a lack of detailed policy. Um, you know, having said that, we are a Democratic Party. Conference is sovereign and that is how policy is made. There is going to be a general election in, you know, at some time before the 25th of January 2025. And we will need some policy to put in a manifesto. And, um, you know, whether a policy is kind of detailed or top line, it still needs to go through conference and that still requires debate time. And I think we are getting to the point where, you know, having lost a couple of conferences and with a general election likely approaching, you know, we need to be thinking quite carefully about how we use the time that we have left in order to pass the policies that will be the top lines of our manifesto. And I think one of them that I've been involved in is a policy working group, um, which was originally on the universal basic income um, and which then evolved to be more broadly about this sort of idea of a fairer society and looking at um, some of the issues around sort of benefits and um, various other factors more generally and also started to encompass um, some of the aspects of what is a liberal response to what the conservatives call the leveling up agenda. Um, so there's, you know, there are a lot of kind of meaty policies in there. And, you know, I think when we say, well, we have too much policy, I mean, I think perhaps we don't need a hundred page manifesto that has, you know, 40 bullets on each page, but we do need some top lines. And some of the stuff that was in that paper would be those top lines. Um, so I suppose, and, you know, as, as John mentioned, there's also the, um, the manifesto consultation, which I think is really important because that's the opportunity, you know, we, in a general election, we can't have all of our members writing a manifesto by committee. So this is the opportunity for us to be saying as members, what are the issues that we want to fight the next general election on? When we, want, when we have Ed Davey standing up, launching the manifesto, kicking off our campaign, what are the top three things that we want him to be saying? When we say, what does a Liberal Britain look like for us in 2024? What are the main things that we need to be talking about? And that's the opportunity for members to shape that message. And, you know, we don't really get another one if, if we miss that. So, so I assume that those are things that we'd be pushed back to spring conference. But Nick, perhaps you can tell us a little bit more. 
Yes. So, so with regards to if we look at policy, specifically policy debates, um, they have to happen for in order for them to be sort of democratically uh, go through. They have to really happen at conference. Um, and so, as part of what we're looking at for spring is extending the conference time to allow more time on the agenda for those important policy debates that we really have to have and i you know without naming any favorites because as chair of fcc i feel i should be neutral on all party policy pre-conference once it is passed by conference i will support it but i try to be neutral but there were some really cracking debates i was looking forward to um both ones which would have had some great arguments and some which were really important for us as a party um, so we're going to be making we're going to be working on how do we put more time on the agenda from a from a standing orders constitutional point of view everything does have to be resubmitted um but i'm certain there will be some understanding for but it also allows policy to get updated because things such as the cutting the vat motion may become out of date already i think it is out of date and maybe be further out of date depending what happens in the next couple of weeks so it does give us a chance to update things with regards to the consultative sessions one of the things that we'd spoke about in the fcc and also on the federal board um, is holding some online consultation sessions around what would have been consultative sessions. So the Manifesto Working Group, International Security, et cetera. So what with those can we do online and try and offer online over the next couple of weeks and months? So still having that engagement opportunity in our decision-making process. Um, in addition to that, I am um, certain, and I don't want to answer on behalf of Mark, but he seemed very agreeable to this idea. We're looking at some of the committee Q&A and accountability to hold those as online sessions it doesn't replicate conference and i'm not trying to replicate conference here but still allowing opportunities for members to engage in those consultative sessions those q's and a's still q and a's still helping us shape policy and shape ideas there was something that in my previous previous report i'd written about um, an idea that we are working on within the fcc around non motion debates i.e debates on big issues within our party within society that you don't, you don't have to necessarily submit a motion to say conference is condemns this conference believes this etc etc but allowing a more generalized debate on the auditorium floor around a topic a certain topic how do we tackle poverty how do we tackle inequality how do we do x y and z um, and maybe one of the things we could do is looking at organizing some of those again as online sessions in the lead up to then then conference so it's not just a case of we've cancelled nothing's happening wait until march but actually we want to see what can we do because for, for a number of reasons firstly to engage with our members but secondly we want to try and use it as a way to market conference to try and encourage people going well if you that thought, thought that was fun imagine doing it in, in the auditorium and some of the best debates I've been to at conference haven't happened in the auditorium they've happened in a fringe session you know where I think it was the um it was the I can't remember. I think it was religious education uh, where we had that we had a brilliant debate in the auditorium, but actually there are better debates happening outside the auditorium between individuals. So if we can try and foster that, that'd be great. Um, in addition, you know, we're going to be working with the training team to see what training we can potentially offer online as well over the next couple of months, so that some of the work that get, gets done leading up to conference and some of the excellent work that happened at conference can continue over the next couple of months. So it's it's very much at the forefront of our our, our planning. I'll let Mark respond. Yeah. And oh, sorry, go on, Laura. I would say I think that's really encouraging, and I think that's a really good point. In the when you go to an online conference, actually, I, I, I mean, I don't know the other, others may disagree, but I thought that the online element of the auditorium actually worked pretty well. 
and was able to replicate pretty effectively the experience of being in the auditorium for an in-person conference. It's really the fringes and the training and the social aspects that, you know, you just couldn't replicate any other way. And so I think if we're going to, you know, have a have an in-person conference, you know, those are the ones to prioritise in the auditorium, actually. You know, you can move that online without losing nearly as much of the experience because it's a formalised a formalized structure and, and that works better. Uh, the, only, the only downside with the online auditorium, at least for us when we were chairing debates, is you end up having sight lines that don't exist in reality because we have the sort of augmented reality screen of when someone comes to speak. And when we used HQ as our base, it actually was a big pot plant. So was, we kept getting a reminder on our ear from the studio going, look at the pot plant, the other pot plant. <laughs> um, I'll let Mark and then Hannah come in on this about the policy and how you feel this is going to affect um, getting our acting up, getting ourselves in order, ready for the elections to come. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I guess the one lucky break that we had was that although the agenda had lots of really good, really important items on it, it didn't have anything that was super urgent. So, for example, from the board's perspective, uh, we were going due to report some changes to the complaints process to conference, and those will now necessarily be delayed because we have to rightly we have to use a you know a proper full conference process to report those. Thankfully, the changes we would have been reporting were improvements rather than urgent bug fixes for something that was broken. So, really worthwhile doing. It's a shame that we won't be able to do them for several months. But it's not quite in the, oh, my goodness, that's a catastrophe category. Similarly, the motion on party finances was to keep all the numbers the same as they were last time. Really important the members get the right to set that those numbers. But it means at least that for the moment we're carrying on with this, with the numbers that we'll, we had in force and agreed by conference from last time anyway. So it's that, you know, we, we caught a little bit of a break. Um, with that. I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what we can do online in terms of sort of substitute for things like the conference, the committee reports to conference. Um, because I think members having that right to question and vote a conference is really important. It's also true that truth be told, attendance is not <clears throat> wonderful normally at those sessions. So it may be that again, through force of circumstance, we can discover something that's a useful addition to what's done at conference that maybe we'll want to do in future years because um, I think it should be possible for us to do stuff virtually that gets more people on a Zoom call or whatever than we would normally have for say a board report you know, session on a Sunday morning at conference, something like that. And therefore, you know, actually that might be something, you know, good, good as it were, that comes out of this because in the end, you know, accountability to conference is really important, but there's always that tension that there are loads of members who never come to conference and we need to think about being accountable to those wider audiences as well. Hannah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really, I really like the idea of actually taking some of those consultative sessions and things online. You know, while we were without a doubt all absolutely itching to get back to a face-to-face -face conference, um, you know, the virtual conferences absolutely, you know, did have their pros, particularly in terms of accessibility. And so um, I absolutely agree with the decision not to try and, and run an online conference again, but taking some of those elements um, online, I, I think is a I think is a fantastic idea and gives the potential to engage with you know potentially a, a different group <coughs> of the membership um, who had absolutely no intention 
at all of attending conference, or he might have been a little bit too hungover to get to that session at 9am on a Sunday morning, because uh, that obviously does occasionally happen at, at conference. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I think that's definitely... I know that's that's definitely that's definitely the way to do things. And, and it sounds as well from what Mark's saying that, you know, some of these debates are, are things that are not necessarily particularly time pressured and can be be parked a bit of, um, you know, sort of tidying up of, of, of things, which I know Mark has been working quite hard on with, a you know, from a number of different angles. And then, you know, we, we're just going to have to wait and see what, what members want to bring in terms of, of, of policy in spring. Um, who, who knows what, what Liz Truss will do between now and then? Maybe we'll have already had a general election. Yes, that's how we all feel, Nick. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, who, who knows what, what's going to happen between, between now and then? Um, and, and really, as I said earlier, for me, it's it's not just about setting the policy. It is also about the opportunity to get that media coverage around conference and around launching that that policy. Um, and we need to make sure that things are, are teed up to get you know the best possible coverage and exposure that, that we can possibly get out of Spring Conference, basically. Um, yeah. So. I don't know if we're going to be able to put this uh, tell us actually for this podcast because I understand it's a very sensitive issue. But one of the big issues about the cancellation is obviously the financial hit it's going Ooh. to take to our party. There's no, there's no way of getting around it. I mean, there's, a, there's delegates will have had taken financial hits, some of them, um, but the the cost of cancelling this conference will obviously have been an exorbitant amount. Now, Nick and Mark, you don't have to give us that figure if you prefer not to, because obviously that's giving away things, but. I think it is worth many of our listeners will be thinking, okay, how does this affect the party going forward, having lost this amount of income and actually the amount we've already spent? Um, how does that affect the party going forward? I suppose, Mark, that might be you first. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's not pleasant by any means, the impact on the party's budget. But actually the point our chief exec, Mike Dixon, made in the discussions, I think was a really good one, which is that, if you get the political judgment on something wrong, that's much harder to deal with and has a big financial impact through the impact on donors and members' willingness to donate and so on than, than the financial hit. You know, that that I think the financial hit is not at all pleasant, but in a way, having gone ahead and really annoyed a whole load of supporters by going ahead, that would have probably ended up financially worse it, it's also just the fact that a financial problem you can sit down in a series of meetings and actually you know have a solution to a political problem where you we've left the public with a negative memory in their minds is so much harder to fix and just to give you one example for older listeners if i say michael foot duffel coat there is an image of him at the cenotaph dressed perfectly respectably, but not quite right for the occasion, that really stuck in people's minds. And as I said, I think for a whole load of listeners, they will have immediately had that image come to mind, you know, decades and decades on from that early 1980s. So, you know, the risk of the damage that you cause by getting the politics a bit wrong, I think is much, is much bigger. I'm sure um, it won't be a pleasant set of finance committee meetings <laughs> sort of sit through uh, in the next few months, but I think it is the lesser it is the lesser risk, the lesser danger here. Is there things 
members can do obviously so some people i suppose with, with all businesses there's a cash flow issue as well yeah. so one of the emails that came out said actually if members want to not ask for a refund but instead serve up as a credit to going forward that would help the party more obviously there are some members who think i'm paying for a hotel yeah. that i'm now not going to use i would quite like to have a little bit of cash back that might so there's no judgments on it on what members decide to do in this point but i assume that from a, a party position is actually quite useful if people don't clamber for cash straight away I don't know who's answering that. <laughs> Nick? I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. Yes. I mean, so we're offering people either a full refund on their registration fees or to donate it to the party um, or to donate it towards conference. Um, and I think, you know, from, from the party's point of view, there's a huge financial hit, but also we're really, really um, looking at, we're really, we're really focused on the hit to members because for members, it's going to be a huge hit as well. And that's why, you know, the team at HQ and I've been working with Visit Brighton to negotiate with the hotels to get those refunds on hotel bookings where we can. Um, and we have a hit list of those who are not responding to us. Um, and, you know, I mean, Lib Dem's being terrifying, not all the time, but I will certainly try and we certainly will do with hotels who are not playing ball um so you know we're trying to do as much as possible for our for the members as well to get their refunds you know as i mentioned at the beginning national rail has shown flexibility with regards to cancellation and through various other uh, rail booking uh platforms um we're waiting to hear back from national express the bus service because we had a special discount with them as well um but we want to try and make sure that members can get as much money back as they can. It's also a chance for me to pitch our access fund. The conference access fund helps those members who can't afford to attend conference normally or need support or help. And so what I would encourage is members who can, and this is, you know, it's not mandatory, but it'd be for those who can, if they could donate something towards the access fund, because we want to see what we can do to help those people who really struggle and, and, and won't be able to get the support they need. So, you know, for example, I, I decided this morning that the money I would have probably spent in the bar, that's going to the access fund. You know, I'd already put that aside in my conference wallet, so to speak. And so I'm going to pick, put that into the access fund because actually I want to help out members who struggle because conference is a huge outlay for a lot of members. And we, we appreciate that on the FCC. It's something we talk about regularly and we do want to work on how we reduce the cost for conference. So for those who can, I would encourage you go to the access fund website and please donate whatever you can really appreciate that because that can help out our members as well. Um, but I think that's, you know, for, for the finances side, we, we're going to battle through. And I think Mark's picked up most of the, the good points that Mike made during our meetings on that as well. I think uh, we should also be aware for those of us who have uh, still going down to Brighton and now have to take our other halves with us, it's now going to be even more expensive than I expected because um, I'm now paying not just for myself, I'm paying for another as well. Um, but just in case this happens, I want to say uh, Laura has just let me know that her battery might drop off on her laptop at the moment. So we'd like to thank Laura uh, for this. And actually, Laura, we're just about to talk about, I don't, you, I'll let you come in first, about campaigning and when do you think we're going to get back onto this? Because there are actually by-elections, council by-elections happening this week. And I do know those local parties who have put in work, I feel it, it's an impossible situation. And completely, if you, if you, whatever you do, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're going to get beaten up either way. Um, but Laura, when, 
do we have an update on when the party might allow us to campaign as, as far as I'm aware? I, I, I don't know. I think you'd have to probably ask Mark that question. Um, I, I'm sorry, I have no feelings on that. I, apart from I think my very strong view is that um, I certainly wouldn't be campaigning before the Queen's funeral. I just think that would be incredibly inappropriate. And I also, you know, I do think that it is important to take the time to reflect. You know, it is a moment of national change. It's the end of an era. It's something that, you know, um, you know, there's a lot going on, I think, especially for people who are counsellors, there are a lot of things to participate in. But even if you're not a counsellor, you know, I, I do think it is worth um, spending the time to, you know, reflect and participate if that's something that you want to do. And I certainly wouldn't be um, campaigning before the Queen's funeral. I mean, I've already taken, actually, I happen to be going down to London with my kids um, uh, last Friday. So I took them to Buckingham Palace so that they could be part of it. And that was that was my, my three year old was extremely disappointed not to meet the king, but um, and couldn't at all understand why her dad and I found it so weird that she was chatting merrily about the king. Um, so, you know, things like that and, you know, signing the book of condolence if there is one in your town. And just I, I do think that when you as campaigners, you know, we all participate in civic life in a, in a way. And this is, you know, this is a moment where I think we can be can be doing that in a different way. Um, and I yeah, certainly wouldn't be campaigning until after the Queen's funeral. And if you have a by-election, you know, that is going to be really challenging. But I think that's that's just how it is. Um, next, you know, once the funeral is out of the way, I think at that point, you know, it is appropriate to restart. Um, but I personally will be looking forward to the party's guidance on that and I'll be I'll be following it because I know that um you know, they'll be consulting with lots of other people. And, um, you know, I, I, I generally trust the advice. I think that the advice we've been given so far has been good and I, I intend to keep following it. Mark, I suppose for many people, the funeral will be a kind of an end point in this issue, probably until the coronation, actually, whenever the coronation will be. Um, I, I, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I assume the party has an idea of when campaigning is likely to be allowed again. Yeah, I would have thought it, for, for almost all the campaigning we do, you know, reasonably soon after the funeral or the day of the funeral, one should say, I think we'll be fine. We obviously have to judge the public mood on that a little bit. And I wouldn't necessarily be planning to be out at 8am the day after the funeral to start, you know, a catch up delivery round. But I think the mood will almost certainly be that fairly soon after the funeral will be fine. The people who have it really tough, therefore, are uh, places with council by-elections this Thursday or next Thursday. I think for this Thursday, my advice would be, you know, judge the mood, listen very carefully to what local feedback you're getting. But as long as you're explaining that the by-election has not been cancelled, so someone else has made the decision not to cancel the by-election and therefore done with the right tone, there's some activity that one can continue because of that polling day. Um, I think if your polling day is Thursday next week and therefore potentially you have sort of four days or so suddenly, you know, taken out just over the weekend, let alone what you might be have been planning for, for this week. That's really difficult. I would suggest anyone in that situation gets in touch with ALDC to talk through in a lot of detail the different the different options. But I think certainly the experience with COVID. I think was that where the public feels there is a really compelling reason why something needs to happen that actually the public were quite accepting but if you fail to tell them that reason they could get very critical very quickly and so I think you know if somebody else has not cancelled the by-election there is probably a little bit of room there for manoeuvre. 
and also just to all our activists and campaigners, there'll be some people who don't like Lib Dems, who don't like you, mm. will use it as an excuse to hit Absolutely. you. This is one yeah. of the things you've got to have thick skin on this because we saw it with COVID as well. You are trying to kill me by COVID-infected leaflets. Well, actually, no, we're not. There's no science to it, but they'll use it as a stick to beat you with. And But Hannah, there are ways, you things you can do right now. Mm. It also, just have a break. You know, some of us who have elections every year, it is not a bad thing to have a bit of a switch off and you know and use this as an excuse to take some time restock and get cracking on again once uh, this period of mourning is over but there are things you can do whether that's contact members and other such things in the background that you could do isn't that right hannah yeah i mean for me as a councillor actually it's, it's sort of business as usual I, I saw the chief executive yesterday and, and just sort of double checked with her uh, barnsley hasn't cancelled any of its formal council meetings I know I know some local authorities have done that um I know Sheffield has their full council this week and it's going ahead but but not really as a proper full council um you know more a, a sort of a, a remembrance event I suppose so so to some extent for me and my group it, it, it is business as usual because you know we have we have council meetings um to get on with this week um I think there are other things you can do. So I've I've been uh, resisting the temptation to to retweet any political tweets, and instead of been uh, sharing information on on my on my sort of political social media around how um, my residents can can pay their respects to the Queen. So um, shared information about the, the local proclamations that were on yesterday and, and then obviously attended those as well with my colleagues. Um, shared, I've shared information about uh, the various books of condolences, uh, you know, that are around and about. Um, and if I get any sort of more information over the week about, you know, events and, and services and, and, and things like that, you know, I've had I've actually found it, you know, we've had a really good response, to be honest, for, for sharing for sharing that information. Um, so if you do have a good followership on, on social media, you know, that's definitely something you can keep doing. You know, remember as well that actually some community stuff is is continuing. So um our so Saturday in, in my ward was the was the Peniston show, which is our agricultural show. Um which um, you know, I'm really glad they they didn't cancel it because that would have just been an absolute nightmare for everyone. So, so you know that that was a lovely community event that that went ahead, and and there will be, you know, not everything that we do as councillors is political. A lot of it is is community based, and the same for our parliamentarians as well. So absolutely, you know, all all of those community type issues that you would usually share on your social media absolutely fine you know to, to keep on sharing that if there's a harvest harvest festival somewhere this week you know share it people want to know they they need people to attend and make donations and and, and carry on with that you know casework can, can carry on I, I can't say I've noticed a, a significant drop off uh, of residents contact me to complain about the bin emptying schedule that that is very much business as usual you know so um and I have a massive backlog of casework to get through. After I got stopped days. three times at the rugby on Saturday with people asking me about a particular crossing and whether or not <laughs> this hedge needed trimming back. So, you know, that yeah. world life continues. Yeah, you know, the absolutely excoriating, is that the right word? Uh, press releases are on ice. 
but definitely business as usual with you know with, with a lot of the with a lot of the councillor stuff um and so yeah you know I just I mean I, I'm not anticipating 10 days off long to be perfectly honest um yeah. and you know get your next newsletter written you know get some get some get some social media posts scheduled bundle some leaflets you know all these all these things can happen there's always and, stuff you can do yeah and then we get back to campaigning and being mean to Barnsley Labour next week you know as everyone else has said we will wait we will wait for guidance from the from the National Party but I am strongly anticipating that you know that certainly the the weekend after the funeral it, it, it can be business as usual campaigning wise because you know the national morning period will will then be over yeah well thank you everyone for being on this particularly nick who gave such a brilliant account at the start and and for all you do nick i mean i don't know if you've slept in the last week pretty much um but now and you know you have received criticism and actually i think you've handled it brilliantly actually as well because it was i remember i whatsapp mark in uh privately and just said it's an impossible decision what you had to make no matter which way you went you were going to upset people and you were gonna and it was there was no good outcome from it so thank you so much uh to that and thank you to laura and hannah and mark for being on this uh special conversation we have we did have a whole load of episodes ready to go all about. We haven't talked about Truss's new cabinet. We haven't talked about fracking or all these other issues that have come up, which will. So you're probably going to get a bumper crop of uh, podcasts once the, the morning is going, uh, the morning is finished. Um, but we really appreciate everyone who helps out. And one of the things we were going to do, if we don't mind a slight plug at the end of thing, um of this episode is we were going to do a big giveaway for all those wonderful people that help us on patreon by donating a little money to us every uh every month and we've got a a, a luxury hamper that i've put together that we're going to give away at conference and but we're still going to give it away so what we're going to do is that anyone who is a patreon member by october you'll be entered automatically into this hamper and it's got there's a lot of there's a lot of Preston-based goods on there, uh, but we have <laughs> we have ventured a little bit into Lancashire and Cumbria um, to fill off. But it, 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 we really appreciate all your support, and um, but but also for those of you who are never mind the bar chart fanatics of never heard of never mind the bar charts, please go on to their Twitter feed, which is at Bar Charts Podcast. Um, and Mark has some absolutely brilliant interviews with fantastic academics talking about the in-depth issues of polling, and the last one about about Brexit was absolutely fascinating you should really check that out and make sure you subscribe to it and if you want to follow anything to do with the Lib Dem podcast all of our stuff is on social media at Lib Dem pod um, we're sorry we're not going to see you at conference we hope you're keeping well but don't worry where uh, we will meet again I think is what Vera Lynn said and we will so thank you very much for listening and we'll be back with another episode very soon mm -hmm.